listening to Talk Cricket, the social justice and comedy podcast where two friends laugh, cry, and rage about an unspeakable subject while enjoying adult beverages. My name is Kay. I'm Carrie. I wish I had an adult beverage today. <laughs> My adult beverage today Ugh. is wine. I uh, didn't realize I was out of margaritas. <laughs> Pretty upset with myself because I went to grocery two days in a row and I haven't gotten any more margaritas. Oh, no! So. That's upsetting. Yeah. We'll forgive you because it's quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> Sad times. Uh, so everybody else grab a shot. One, two, three, go. Go. <laughs> uh. woot, woot. Party, party, party. <laughs> so today is, as we record, May the 6th. Fuck. I started back at work this week. I'm still working from home. Thank God. Yeah. But it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot believe that it's already May. I'm in the middle of finals. Um, yeah. Next week is my last Guess week what? of this semester. I have 17 weeks until I give birth. Oh. Wow. <laughs> that hit me today. <laughs> Ooh, how are you See, feeling about and that? And yesterday. Whew. Not great. <laughs> we got a lot of shit to get done. <laughs> like, I sat down. I got so anxious yesterday that, like, when I stopped and took a break for lunch or whatever, mm-hmm. um, like, I'd made some calls and stuff, and I just, like, needed to take a breather for a second. I went in the other room, and I made a list of everything that needs to get done all around the house. Ooh. Like, by room. Yeah. And then left it on the coffee table, because I was just like, I just need it, I just need it out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. <laughs> Well, like, we were so diligent at the beginning about getting stuff done every day, and then we started to slack Mm -hmm. because it was nice to relax, and then now it's like, well, we don't know, now that I'm back at work, it's like, because I did not expect it at all, and Mm -hmm. I was like, shit, like, this is why I was working so hard at it, because I didn't know when they were going to call everybody back, you know? And now I can't do stuff during the day. (laughs) Oh. Again, so... I, I don't know. A, I I'm had a dream out. that you had a baby shower, and for some reason you hated me, but I was invited. <laughs> and what? like, yeah, and like everybody at the baby shower knew the baby's gender, but you hadn't told me, and you what? just kept trying to get rid of me the entire time. And <laughs> oh my god! And like. It was really weird because apparently, like, I had walked to your house and it was a 30-minute walk, but it was, like, an hour walk back home and, like, oh, you were mad no. because I had walked there, so you made your mom buy me, like, a train ticket home. It was the weirdest dream what? I've ever had in my life. And I woke in up. In the world! I woke up and I was like, oh my god, does she hate me? And then you texted me that you've been having weird dreams and I was like, I mean, I guess it's something in the water, like... <laughs> Oh my god. No, yeah, that same night I dreamed that I gave birth two months early but missed the birth because I had to pee. Um and <laughs> that my child could already walk and talk. Of course. By the time I came back from the bathroom. And we also had decided to give birth in a bakery instead of a hospital. Uh next to a giant mountain of cookies filled with cheesecake. So make of that what you will. <laughs> It was, like, nighttime in old England, too. Like, I don't even... (laughs) 
I don't uh, understand. It was so weird. <laughs> that makes so much sense. I'm sure you would 100% <laughs> rather be in a bakery than be in a hospital room. Yeah, I would. Especially if it's in England. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I watched a lot of baking show, British baking show last week, so uh, that's probably part of it. Oh yeah. But oh my god. And I've been looking at baking ideas and I've had bread on the brain so much so mm. that um I have a customer whose last name is Beard and I keep spelling his last name bread. <laughs> That's just all I can think about is food. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that so much. I'm so sorry I interrupted you from talking about your finals and shit. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I've got, well, two and a half weeks left. I, or, well, a week and a half left. No. Sorry, wow. Yeah. Um, I was like, don't make it longer. <laughs> I can't think. I wish I had more time. You should see the whiteboard of stuff I have to do. <laughs> oh, honey. <laughs> I um I completely gave up on a <laughs> um wow on a research project um mm-hmm. which I've never done ever but <laughs> this this is a first and you know what it's the fucking Rona and it's a pass fail class so it'll be and fine. you know what <laughs> fucking break the cycle of perfectionism yes. you can do it. Yes, I'm so proud of myself for doing that. And I'm just, I've been playing with a lot of Play-Doh um, <laughs> to keep my hands busy. Um, and I met my new therapist today, which is fun. fun. Yeah. Um, oh, that's so exciting. Yeah. Did it go well? Yeah, she seems really sweet. Uh, she was kind of quiet just because, like, my therapist was, like, trying to get me to talk about things. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so... They're usually pretty quiet on the first day. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember mine. It was just typing. <laughs> it's just a lot of typing and nodding, and then di- a diagnosis would just, like, appear on the screen. <laughs> I'd be like, okay. <laughs> so... What's happening with me, like, the reason why, like, I'm switching therapists is I see interns, and they change every Mm -hmm. year. So, um, the person who was my quote-unquote therapist for this past year, she matched me with the intern that she thought would best fit me, and whenever we switch to a new one, like, we all have a session together, and, um, That's so cool. Yeah. So. so it's people at Western, right, who are, like, mm-hmm. in grad school yeah, getting their hours or whatever. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So. Oh, goodness. Got some other exciting stuff going on, but, yeah. Yeah, talk about it. No. Huh? Too, pers- too personal on the podcast, so. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking. Wait, did you talk about your poems that got published? Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes. That's what I thought um, you were talking about. there's lots going on um yeah i've got a lot of balls in the air apparently yeah i uh got published (laughs) uh for the first time ever um as of last week um three of my poems got published i submitted four so that was really exciting that's amazing yeah it was a lot for a first timer so um yes (laughs) (laughs) 
they're going to be publishing those, um, like, they're going to be available online, but they're also going to be printed this summer and distributed. And you'll let everyone know where to look, right? Yeah. Because you're brilliant and everyone needs to go read them. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm. Oh, my God. I'm Seriously, actually... you guys, don't let her humble, bra- don't let her be humble. Like, she is <laughs> one of the absolutely most, absolute most talented poets I've ever had the privilege to read. Oh, thank you. It is... Ugh. I majored in the fucking language. Like, (laughs) I've read a lot of poetry. That makes me feel so good. Your stuff is so good. It's so good. Can I read one real quick? Yes! Okay. Let me me grab my chat book real quick. Oh my god, I'm so excited. It's because you write, like, directly from your soul. And it's just, ugh. Thank you. Oh my god, you're so sweet. It's so good. You can just tell when people are trying too hard, you know, especially yeah. in poetry. Like poetry, you can't you can't be fake in poetry. Yeah, no. And it's just Oh. And I'm taking an advanced poetry course next semester, which I'm really excited for, and I've already got <gasps> some poems and like ideas for poems written down and uh, like You're I was gonna love it oh thank you I was talking ah! to a friend of mine the other night and I read her one of my ideas and she's like oh my god that hit me in my soul right <laughs> yeah that's what makes a good poet oh <laughs> thank you well nothing is... makes me cry like poetry so hang I'm I might cry just <laughs> go <laughs> uh this is one of them that got published um which was okay so it's called feline um i find myself making sure someone knows where i am where i've been like a cat nuzzles herself on bags of the owner she loves to proclaim that this also belongs to her that you belong to her my scent mingles with yours I leave behind my own with overuse of perfume, traces of mint from my hair and lavender from my skin, so that when you look into the face of my mother and lie, she'll smell me on your breath. My friend will know my scent. It lingers in her car and the pull-out bed I used on nights I was too drunk to stand. They'll wonder if mint, lavender, and notes of the woods mixed with Moscato or Chardonnay. Maybe they mixed with fresh berries and drifting leaves in the perceived safety of the woods I loved so much. They'll wonder, then, do your blankets smell like mint and lavender? Your couch? Was I there long enough to nuzzle in precaution, proclamation that I was there? It is sad and sick that as an adult, I am more worried about them finding my body than finding me alive. And that was the end. Holy mother of God! <laughs> wow thank you it was so good thank you oh. i'm so proud of you thank you You're oh so my goodness sweet. <laughs> i'm not just being sweet i would tell you if it wasn't good it's so good oh oh wow that one's in the book you gave me isn't it mm-hmm. yeah all, oh. all three of them are in the book um that one got published which were the other um the other one that got published was filthy which was my first ever poem that i wrote in college and i've kind of 
played with it a lot I think I've read that since. one before, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's a good one. Thank you. Let me see what else he said. Sorry. <laughs> of course, it's going to make me do all this nonsense. Oh, you're so fucking talented. <laughs> Thank you. That was a trip. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. Like, that took... That took that took me on a ride. Woo! I was in a place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were. <laughs> when I wrote that. Oh, um, so good. Yeah, the whole the whole book is just a very wild ride. Maybe if we can get some Patre- some more Patreon donations. Uh, we can get some merch, and we could put your book. We could put your book on our merch website or something. Ooh, that would be good. Because that would be so cool. That would be awesome. I'd love that. Um, I need to like. So the other one's called Filthy, and then what was the title of the other one? Uh, the other one. It's right here. Uh, Greed. Greed. Okay. Yeah, that one I was. Like I've read that one before too. Yeah, that one was based on the play Medea. Oh, musical. Yeah. Yes. One of my favorite Greek tragedies. Love yes. it. Love it. it. Was, love it. It was beautiful. She's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I love her, though. Like <laughs> I do. I love her, too. I love her so much. I can't help it. Oh, my God. The poem was oh, actually... I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank you. It was actually, like, based on the princess that was killed. Mm-hmm. And that tragedy. And yes. Yeah, I just... Huh, again, in a place. <laughs> that, that whole <laughs> semester, I was in a place. Yes, that was a whirlwind. Yeah. Oh, goodness. All right, well... Um, yeah, good things. Um, oh, my God. Um, Steve Carell is coming back to television. Oh, I know. Um, comedy television, not drama, drama tr- television. <laughs> and... Oh my god, everyone go look at Space Force. It comes out at the end of the month. Everybody's going to watch it, right? Cuz <laughs> Yeah, oh, it shit. looks amazing. It looks hilarious. It's him and Lisa Kudrow and Jane Lynch and John Malkovich and the dude that played John Raffio on Parks and Rec. I don't know his <laughs> name and like a ton of other people. And like Josh and I were just like staring at each other, like just staring at the screen and then we looked at each other and we were like, "Well, we're watching that." <laughs> That's going to be fucking awesome. I made my, oh my money God, the so old-fashioned way. I got run over by Alexis. <laughs> <laughs> I got run over by Alexis. <laughs> well, that's my John sister. Raphael. She's the worst. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> oh, money, please. Oh, my goodness. I love that his dad is Henry Winkler on that show, too. <laughs> it just makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> He's like the kindest man in the entire universe. He's <laughs> playing this shit ass, this shithead doctor. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's so funny. I love that. That's the same reason why I loved The Good Place because Kristen Bell is like such a gem of a human being and she's mm. playing like this trashy, <laughs> this awful, awful person. I've watched <laughs> and like. That just makes me laugh. I've watched like four episodes of that. I love it. Oh, it's that delightful. And Brooklyn Nine-Nine and... Yes. Oh, The Good Place is so good. <laughs> Wait till you get to the end of the first season. Twist! It's so good. 
I also love the guy, um, Ted Danson, uh, the guy who's, who's, um, who plays, uh, Michael. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. He is so funny. He is. But yeah, he was on Cheers. Oh, really? Yeah. For years and years and years. He was one of the hot bartenders. Wow. Yeah, he is delightful. He has an episode on Armchair Expert as well, of course, because he works with <laughs> Dax's wife. And yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, he's a delightful human. Oh, my goodness. Mm. See, I never... So, so good. I didn't get to watch many episodes of Cheers just because it was really before my time. And I think, oh, like, it was I caught... Oh, before my time, too. Yeah, I caught some reruns of it, like... When my grandmother didn't mm-hmm. notice I was in the room. Um. Yeah. I think it's all on Hulu now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a delightful little sitcom called Taxi that Josh and I rediscovered. Mm. From That's on Hulu. That It was like Danny DeVito's first show ever. It's a sitcom. It's really oh, wow. good. Just super old. Um, I want to watch Golden Girls. I love the writing on those old like New York sitcoms. Yeah. Like that because it reminds me of uh, like some of my favorite plays, which are Neil Simon and always New York based. And mm-hmm. there's just a that's part of why I love Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is because it reads the back and forth and the the arguing and the quips and stuff are <laughs> very very. It's all like that fast paced, quippy theater type comedy with big long shots and stuff. And I just oh, yeah. it's delightful. But yeah, you can watch all of Cheers on there. I have never watched a single episode of Cheers. The only reason I know that he was the hot bartender is because I've seen that clip where they both say Norm all the time. <laughs> uh-huh. It's used a lot in things. <laughs> <laughs> and yep, that's it. <laughs> Makes and sense. And I recognized his cheekbones because they could cut glass. Oh, yes, they could. <laughs> Oh, goodness. All right. Anything else? Are we ready to get started? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. So this week, we are not talking about a delightful subject, but it is a good subject. <laughs> it is. So especially especially appropriate for right now, I think. So um, uh, this week, we are talking about... Wait. Do we want to say the whole thing, or do you want to say the acronym? <laughs> Acro- <laughs> acronym. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this week, we are talking about... PTSD. PTSD, which is fun. A bum, bum, bum. I got Woo-woo. diagnosed with it three years ago. What, what? Representing <laughs> in the house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. This I'm excited why. about this one, actually. Yeah, me what? too. Uh, uh, this is why I have to be heavily medicated to sleep. Yes. <laughs> it's fun. It's real fun. Yes. Yeah, it seems fun. <laughs> Just from watching you. <laughs> totally kidding. Um, I have a couple of friends with PTSD, actually. Um, it's it's a trip, what, what your brain can do. So, um, mm-hmm. so let's go ahead and start, um, of course, with a definition. Um, I pulled most of my info from Mayo Clinic, and then I found a really good article... Um, just surrounding the stigma of this disease, mm-hmm. uh, well, not disease, but, uh, this, this mental condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because, I mean, I know you, I know I, I have, and I have a couple other friends that have it. And I feel like this is one that people throw around a lot, kind of like bipolar. Yeah. 
Um, they're like, I was stung by a bee. I have PTSD. And it's like, that's not what. No. <laughs> that's <laughs> not what it is. Um, yeah. I, it would not surprise me in the slightest if we all didn't come out with su- come out of this quarantine situation. Like when the world, fi- it's actually safe to go mm-hmm. out into the world. Like when we have a legitimate vaccine, which is the only time it's going to be safe. Yep. Um, oh my God, Kay. Oh, Sorry. and there are going to be murder um, hornets, by the way. There are already murder hornets. Oh yeah, there's also hornets. murder hornets. It's the end of days. It's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if we all didn't come out of this with some like very mild form of this well i'm sure that we will collectively huh i'm sure that we will because i mean the same thing happened after the great depression um Mm -hmm. people that were living in that time like for years and years and years after that like they wouldn't use banks to store their money they would hoard it at home Mm -hmm. and like that that's where food and yeah like if that was where clean your plate came from that's Mm -hmm. i'm sure why a lot of us are overweight (laughs) you know um (laughs) yes i think i'm sure that's part of it and i know it's not the whole reason but i'm sure that's part of it no um we can make that joke (laughs) (laughs) i'm allowed to make it i'm really upset with myself (laughs) oh honey Uh, it'll be okay yeah so the last time i went to the doctor i um was doing fine and mm-hmm. I weighed myself a couple of days ago, and my birth control has fucked me. And I also, you Honey. know, haven't been able to go to the gym and right. um, was a little too indulgent. And I have gained 25 pounds. But you know what? Oh, my. That's <laughs> that is kind of a lot. Yeah. Um, but you, as a, you have a lot of variables. Yeah. And just make next week a new week. <laughs> yeah. You can do it. There's, like, a lot of people doing, like, Zoom workouts and stuff. And, like, I need lots to, of people on YouTube doing workouts and things. I need to just do a workout every day so I can... Even if little. it's just, like, yoga or something. Yeah. I Like, I've started moving. yoga. Um, I've been walking almost every day. Um, That's good. So, yeah... <laughs> you've got that li- nice little like walking track like right by your house yeah i normally just walk through run my neighborhood there and, yeah. well yeah that's fair i mm-hmm. used to it's it's you can it's actually marked with miles and stuff though so like mm-hmm. i used to i used to run it all the time oh nice so that i actually knew like the actual distance that i walked mm-hmm. which is good for me so i can I at need least to just... guess i walked a mile today or two miles or whatever I need to just start running um, because I was getting oh. to a point where I could and I really enjoyed it. Um, Fair. Running's the worst. <laughs> I, I should get back to good. it. I don't have a place to jog that's like, well, I mean, I guess I do kind of, but there have been so many people on that walking path over, you know, over downtown. Mm-hmm. Over, over in town. Yeah. <laughs> There have been so many people. It won't, the last time I went for a walk with Hamlet, there was someone there who was the size of a park bench sitting on a park bench. What while the their fuck? Kid, yes. While their kid rode their bike all over the road, like swiveling everywhere and not avoiding people and just all over the place. And I literally walked off of the path into this into the grass 
about 10 feet away and gave <laughs> them the biggest birth because I was like, no, 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 no. And it was like, like, I'm not being mean. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just being factual. This kid was not clean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this was a kid who'd been playing outside all day and touching all kinds of shit. Yep. And I'm not trying to play that game. Yep. So I was just like, oh, fuck you, kid. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she would just come up, like, right behind you Ooh. without any kind of respect at all and just blast past. And then she said something about my dog. And I was like, no, you can't. Try. I was like, yeah, thanks. My dog's pretty. <laughs> it's just like, I have headphones and clearly you're not petting my dog. Yeah. Don't touch my dog. I don't want your germs on my dog's head. <laughs> I'm going to kiss him when we get in the car. Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't, don't touch him. I can't him. hand sanitize his head. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But anyway, so let's get into um let, let's get into definition so okay. uh ptsd stands for post-traumatic stress disorder um and it is a mental health condition that's triggered by a terrifying event either experiencing it or witnessing it mm-hmm. both um meaning i was shot or meaning i watched someone get shot mm-hmm. see um Symptoms may include flashbacks, nightmares, and severe anxiety, as well as uncontrollable thoughts about the event, which is not great. I think I feel like that means like bringing like it comes up without your consent. Yeah, yeah, um, it just like floats back up. Yeah, before I kind of before I got like any type of like tools to kind of keep mm-hmm. them down. That was one of my bigger problems was that I could not not focus on it um yeah that's fair yeah like that nightmares like they were just obsessive compulsive thoughts you know Mm -hmm. that wouldn't stop so yeah that this is i mean i don't have ptsd but um i that's why i have to be careful with like what i watch as far as like you know gore and horror movies and things like like the scary stuff like that like Mm -hmm. It's so stupid. I'm a grown-ass woman, and every time I go to the bathroom at night and our faucet is dripping, it makes me think that there's gonna, a fucking clown is going to stick his head out of the... <laughs> fucking Pennywise is going to stick his head out of the goddamn shower curtain. I can't blame you. I mean, you, you like, know, I can't say just, anything. Well, yeah. And, yeah, and just, like, the few crime scene photos that I have looked at, they just pop up, and your, your brain just recalls them at any time. So, like, imagine if you'd, you know been at work and had a gun pulled on you mm-hmm. or you know <laughs> one instance or been at work and had a knife pulled on you or been rear-ended so many times that you don't feel safe in a vehicle mm-hmm. you know i mean it's there's or you know been attacked in any way shape or form and there's there, there's so i don't know we <laughs> our brain is a is a trap and it's important to filter what we put in that trap because yeah. you just never know when something's gonna just float across, t- <laughs> float up to the surface again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so most people who go through traumatic events may have temporary difficulty adjusting and coping, but with time and good self care, they usually get better. Um, if the symptoms get worse, last for months or even years, and interfere with your day to day functioning, you may have PTSD. So that's the that's where that that's the distinction there so it's it's really got to be something that lasts longer than just a few weeks Mm -hmm. after it happens if it's really crippling you then it's actually ptsd it's not i was stung by a bee and now i'm scared of bees like that's just being a human yeah um (laughs) that's not ptsd um if you watched your mom get murdered 
and now you can't go outside. <laughs> and <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Completely That's different. an issue. Yeah. Completely different. Um, so getting effective treatment after PTSD symptoms um, develop after PTSD symptoms develop can be critical t- to reducing symptoms and improving function. So definitely this is where we go to therapy. <laughs> this is definitely yes. about therapy. There's great medicine for it, as Kay can attest. There's great medicine to help you sleep, but there's nothing that will repress your memory. No. You have to learn tools. So. Absolutely. There we like, go. I had to, I mean, I've had to learn a lot of different things just to, like, talk about for a second what helps me. Um, I have to go to sleep with my TV on every night. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I used to have, like, this coloring page that I had done in therapy, like, stuck up next to me for, like, when I woke up, I could just roll over and see it, and, that, like, that helped mm-hmm. me calm down. Um, now I have just a lot of stuff to, like, play with with my hands. So, like, I was talking about earlier, like, I've been playing with a lot of Play-Doh recently because uh, nightmares have gotten bad again, um, and anxiety's gotten really bad again. Um, so I've been playing with those just... Just kind of you're also trapped my... in your room, so that makes sense that that would be triggering for you. Yeah, so it's this just is... <laughs> it's like little tools like that, like external stuff, kind of helps me. Like um, people mm-hmm. that have autism kind of do call it stimming. So like you can stim yeah. with Play-Doh, um, you can stim with like glitter jars, and I have this like. It's almost like a sandbag type thing that has a bunch of different Mm -hmm. things on it that you can, like, pull on and play with. And it's also heavy, so, like, you can sit it on your lap and um, just kind of helps you rest. Um, Yeah. Like, I've had it on my chest a lot of times, like, if my heart's been beating really fast, just because Mm -hmm. I'm so worked up, like, that helps. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so just some extra tools. Yeah, and those are all just, like, basic tools that you can use for general anxiety, too. Mm -hmm. I use that. I mean, I used to tell my students, um, I had a lot of students, especially in my regular classes um, with with ADD, with Mm -hmm. ADHD, like me. Mm -hmm. And so it was, uh, there's just a lot of fidgeting involved and stuff like that. So I would just say, you know, click your pen or uh, bounce your leg, twist Mm -hmm. this pipe cleaner. Keep your hands busy so you can focus. Yeah. So you get all that extra stuff, all that extra stuff that's floating around in your head, channel that into the pipe cleaner, mm-hmm. and now read your book. Or I told some of my kids they had so much trouble sitting still to read. So I was like, what, read on the treadmill. Yeah. Walk, or, pace around your room, like clear yourself a path so you don't run into shit and, mm-hmm. you know, pace around your room, read for five minutes, get up and walk. Yeah. Like, you don't got to sit there the whole time. <laughs> Yeah. Why do you have to sit there the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> because that's what society has told me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, but it's true. Like, it's, it's it so is. fucking true. Um, that was a lot for me when I went to therapy and stuff of, like, why do you have to do what works for you? Who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're an adult. Um. I used to study on the tri- on the elliptical all the time in college. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, we just put our elliptical in storage. I wish I could give it to you to, for safekeeping, and then you could 
power through the office on the elliptical. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you want to bring it here, we would definitely use it. That's the problem, <laughs> is getting it there. Yeah. It's slim and trim. I mean, you could keep it in the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be alone. Yeah. <laughs> so don't break it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I might look into that. But anyway, so um, let's go over a few symptoms real quick. So um, post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms may start within one month of a traumatic event, but sometimes symptom may- symptoms may not appear until years after the event. Mm-hmm. These these symptoms can... That's what happened with you, right? Yeah. 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 So these symptoms can cause significant problems in social or work situations and in relationships. And they can also interfere with your ability to go about your normal daily tasks. Mm-hmm. Uh, PTSD symptoms are generally grounded into... Fo- sorry, not grounded. Grouped. Mm-hmm. Ah, my <laughs> brain is swimming in hormones. Um... <laughs> PTSD symptoms are generally grouped into four types. Intrusive memories, avoidance, negative changes in thinking and mood, and changes in physical and emotional reactions. Mm -hmm. Um, Symptoms can vary over time or vary from person to person. So your reaction is not going to be the same as one friend's reaction, is not going to be the same as a war veteran's reaction. Everyone is different. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is what can sometimes make it kind of difficult to diagnose. So it's definitely one of those things that you want to make sure that you're up front with your therapist about and that you go to the therapist Mm -hmm. and then you tell the therapist the truth yeah (laughs) so that they can help you (laughs) yeah the first time yeah (laughs) um (laughs) the first time i went to my (laughs) therapist that was an intern at western um like, I was able to connect with her more than I had with any other therapist because she was around my age. hmm So, I told her things <laughs> that I normally wouldn't tell other therapists. Right. We ended the session with her supervisor having to come in and talk to me. <laughs> um, oh! <laughs> so, that's a very scary thing. And sometimes that has to happen, and that's okay. They just mm-hmm. want to make sure that you're not going to hurt yourself when you go home. Like, exactly. They just they just exactly. want to make sure that you're safe, and like. And I'm sure that that was an eye opener for you because then you were finally like, "Oh, this is what <laughs> this is serious." Yeah, I was like, finally this like, is the reaction this needs to get. <laughs> well, it was kind of really validating i don't think i've ever told anyone that but like that that was the scariest few seconds of my life because my therapist was like okay so you've told me some things that kind of scare me so i'm going to go get my supervisor and i was Mm -hmm. like oh (laughs) like okay that's where we're going but like it needed to happen right and then you're like oh wait you're not my just my friend yeah like (laughs) This is a clinical situation. Yeah. <laughs> in which my safety is important. <laughs> but I'm sure it is really validating. I feel like I remember you saying that, that it's just really validating. You've had a few experiences over the last year that have been really validating for you as far as this trauma is concerned. And like, oh, yeah. it's, you know, because when you actually go and get treatment for things, it can be very validating. You're like, okay, I'm not just crazy. Like, yeah, this is real. I didn't dream it. It's real. And especially when things happen to you as a child mm-hmm. and then those things don't surface until, you know, years and years later, you can just 
absolutely fall apart and feel like a nutcase. Oh, yeah. You know? And that's exactly what happened because I was like, okay, who would believe this? You know, like. Yeah, exactly. That was part of the problem. Why did you speak up when you were two? What? I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) What what was I supposed to do? I didn't know it was a problem. Exactly. Yeah. um, I was talking to one of my friends about it the other day because like she brought up what happened to her and I was like, oh my God, that's kind of the same thing. Like I, like I don't have any real memories of it either like they just come back like in dreams float I, through yeah, yeah. And, like it was it was crazy and she's like oh my god like someone else gets it <laughs> and it was, <laughs> oh that's awesome yeah it was just you know a lot of things have just been really validating it sounds like there are a lot of people in my house um <laughs> and i don't know uh. why <laughs> um so sorry if you all hear that um, oh i can't hear it okay but- good who knows? <laughs> um, okay, yeah. so let's talk about intrusive memories real quick. So intrusive memories. Um, so some of these might include recurrent, unwanted, distressing memories of the traumatic event. It could be that you're reliving the traumatic event as if it were happening again, which is what flashbacks are. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean you just, like, remember it. Like, you're fully immersed in it. Mm-hmm. Okay? So kind of like what happens in the movies, but not totally. Um, kind of upsetting dreams or yeah, huh? Kind of, yeah. It's just yeah. it's a that one's really hard to. Explain. It's a hard one to portray. Yeah. yeah. It, but um, it, upsetting. It is super upsetting. Sorry, I don't mean to yeah. keep interrupting. No, you're you. good. No, you're totally fine. Um, upsetting dreams or nightmares about the traumatic event. Um, severe emotional distress or physical reactions to something that reminds you of the traumatic event. Mm-hmm. Um, this was one that popped up in True Blood when I was rewatching. Um, one of my favorite <laughs> characters was shot, mm-hmm. and then someone pulled out a gun in front of him, and he like flipped his shit. And like mm. this guy was like a drug dealer. He's like a hardened like drug dealer, and he's also fabulous, and I love him. But <laughs> he's like a hard. He's like a hard. He's a badass, you know. And then yeah. his uh co-worker pulls a gun out and he's just like oh my god and like like falls to the floor shaking mm-hmm. and can't like get his shit together at all you know yeah it's oh it's so bad and it could be that it could be a myriad of other things mm-hmm. you know you could just start sweating out of nowhere you could just start crying having a panic attack laughing when you should be <laughs> when you should be crying i don't know yeah um uh- Ugh. One of the times that I, say? one of the times that I, like relived an event, like in a flashback, I had the mm-hmm. panic attack of the fucking century, <laughs> and oh, it was not great. Um, <laughs> it's probably something that you, that that would probably make me have a panic attack because not only are you experiencing something traumatic, but you can't make it stop. Yeah. Like, you don't know how to make it stop because you didn't have tools. So it was, like, the first time and you were just like, oh, my God, what the fuck? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's and, when I start to have panic yeah. attacks is if I've, like, had too much to drink and I'm ready for it to stop. Mm-hmm. And then I can't. I can't make it stop, you know? Yeah. Know your limits. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> that's important. <laughs> it's so important. Learned that lesson recently. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, not myself, by the way. <laughs> Um, 
So another one is, of course, of course, avoidance, which sounds the uh, some of this sounds very similar to just general like panic disorder and stuff. Mm-hmm. So avoidance, um, meaning trying to avoid thinking or talking about the traumatic event, um, avoiding places, activities or people that remind you of the traumatic event. Mm-hmm. Um, so not one like our friend who had a gun pulled on her. She didn't want to be at the store alone anymore. Yeah. Um, she definitely didn't want to be at the store at night because that's when it happened. You know what I mean? So yeah. it was that kind of thing. And uh, just g- in general, trying to avoid thinking about it, that's not healthy. You have to work through it. And mm-hmm. that's where therapy comes in. And then you learn tools to redirect your thoughts. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, negative changes in thinking and mood. So... um. That may include negative thoughts about yourself or other people or the world, hopelessness about the future. This is where the depression element of it kind of comes in. Mm -hmm. Um, This is what trauma does to your brain. Um, (laughs) Hopelessness about the future, memory problems, including not remembering important aspects of the traumatic event Mm -hmm. because your brain is trying to protect you. Um, Difficulty maintaining close relationships, feeling detached from family and friends. Lack of interest in activities you once enjoyed. Difficulty experiencing positive positive emotions or um, feeling emotionally numb, which is mm-hmm. very scary. Um, it been is. There. <laughs> That's a very scary place to be. Um, and then, so, oh, okay, so this is the one that I was really interested in was uh, changes in physical and emotional reactions. This is kind of fascinating. So, um and terrible, but um, <laughs> so this is also, co- this is, can also be called, um, arousal symptoms. Mm-hmm. So not to be confused with, <laughs> um, <laughs> be, so this is like being easily startled or frightened. So you're jumpy, mm-hmm. um, always being on guard for danger, self-destructive behavior, such as drinking too much, driving too fast. Um, I would maybe even lump in, um, self-mutilation, mm-hmm. um, trouble sleeping, trouble concentrating irritability angry outbursts or aggressive behavior and this is all stuff that like wasn't there before Mm -hmm. the trauma okay so if you have this stuff and you didn't experience a trauma you have something else going on yeah um (laughs) just so everybody knows it could be a tumor it could be a different (laughs) mental disorder it could be schizophrenia it could be depression you could just be anxious like let's just like you know yeah both of us get to a point where we're reading through these symptoms and I'm like, oh my God, do I have this? (laughs) (laughs) Oh Oh, man. Because we're both kind of hypochondriacs. (laughs) Oh my God. And just obsessive compulsive. And (laughs) it's just crazy. I was listening to an episode of Armchair Expert today. Sorry, here, let me finish this real fast. Um, So trouble concentrating, um, irritability, angry outbursts or aggressive behavior or overwhelming guilt or shame. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like you check all of those boxes. I um, do. Especially <laughs> yes. the guilt and shame. And that yeah, those have been do. the hardest things to get over. Those are the things that mm-hmm. I'm working on so much like right now. Yeah. Um guilt that resulted in me like just pretty much apologizing for existing to everyone. That's part oh of why God, we yes. did that's part of why we did the sorry not sorry episode yeah yeah because i still catch myself doing it like especially if i'm like in a a time of like high stress i just like i can't quit Mm -hmm. apologizing um Mm -hmm. 
and then Shane. She, just, seriously, you guys, like she's not just she's not exaggerating. It's, <laughs> sorry, sorry, no, it's okay. sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my god, what? Yeah. What for? Quit it. <laughs> <laughs> But then also, like, shame. Like, I had a lot of shame concerning, like, sex for a very, 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 very long yeah. time. And I'm only just now, like, starting to come to terms with, like, what I like. And, you know, uh, like, it, it's still hard, you know? Yeah. So it's... it's well, it's yeah. hard to separate, especially um, when you're a survivor of the type of tra- of that type of trauma it's it's mm-hmm. so hard to separate like there's a really good scene in um in outlander actually where because yeah, it's a kind of a rapey show mm-hmm. and they're um i mean they don't show it yeah. but you know it's it happens <laughs> off camera but yeah there's um there, there's this a part where you know this poor 16 year old boy was abducted by this older woman and held captive and she she makes him sleep with him with mm-hmm. her and he's like it's just so hard because i feel like i shouldn't that this shouldn't be a problem like i'm a man i slept with a woman but it was under duress and he's like you I, well, i'm trying to think how he's how he phrased it because he was talking to his uh to his uncle mm-hmm. and he was just who was is also a victim a, a survivor of a, a rape survivor and um he was like, it's so hard because you want it to stop, but it also feels good. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to separate. It gets so confusing. You know, and mm-hmm. it, it's, but you don't want it is the thing. And it's just, it goes back and forth and back and forth, but it's in the pleasure center. So mm-hmm. then you go to have actual, an actual legitimately good experience with someone. And then it triggers that, mm-hmm. that memory again. And y- it's so hard to get past <laughs> oh my because God. you're stuck yeah. in this cycle, this push-pull cycle, and you have to literally reroute the pathways of your brain. Yeah. And help yourself feel that you deserve to have... There are people who have experienced sexual trauma that go on to have fully healthy sex lives. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just yeah. a matter of putting in the work and rerouting those neuropathways and forgiving yourself because it's never your fault, you know? <laughs> yeah. And also, you know, it says everything about the person who did it to you and absolutely nothing about you, especially when you're a child. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's it just, it takes a lot of work. That's why we just say therapy, therapy, therapy. Yes. <laughs> I'm in therapy indefinitely. It just because it yes. is an all the time thing. It is. Mm-hmm legitimately and all well the you always thing. are it's just yeah. like being an alcoholic you're always an alcoholic you're always a, you're always a survivor mm-hmm. um there's a really good i mean again sorry i just watched true blood so like <laughs> <laughs> there's a uh there's a a character that gets attacked and she she goes to a support group and there happens to be another girl that she works with there and you know they all i mean it happened to her like six or seven years ago and of course for Tara it had happened like you know last week mm-hmm. but it just everyone she was like I mean I'm just I'm there still you know I'm I'm starting a new job at work it's bringing it all back up because I was raped by my coworker, and mm-hmm. it's I'm starting a new job at a new place and it's just making me remember it again I can't I hate that I can that I have to go through life and I can't experience 
joy sometimes without it being tainted by him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just one of those things where, but because she's able to go to a group and talk about that kind of thing, it, it doesn't weigh on you. It doesn't just sit in your brain and fester. Because exactly. everyone else and that gr- everyone else in that circle is experiencing the same thing. And there's plenty of support groups for PTSD, mm-hmm. um, for PTSD people. I don't know what you want to call it. <laughs> people with PTSD. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that <was> it's bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but like back to just let me circle back real fast. So back to us thinking we have everything. I was just listening to an armchair expert um, episode. Mm-hmm. I think it was Whitney Cummings. And she was talking about that. And she was like, I like I go to my therapist and I'll say stuff and I'll talk about things. And then she'll, I'll be like, do you think I have borderline personality disorder? <laughs> and her therapist will be like, no, Whitney. <laughs> Someone with BPD would not ask me if they had BPD. <laughs> are unaware <laughs> that there's anything wrong and it's like she'll talk and talk and be like do you think i'm a narcissist she's like no narcissists aren't aware <laughs> you would not be asking me <laughs> oh my god oh uh, that tickled me um same though so of course <laughs> oh god right i was like oh okay i feel a lot better now <laughs> Oh, Lord. So, okay. So let's talk about the intensity real quick. And then um, I'm just going to hit on a couple more points. And then I've got a really good article that I'm going to read real fast. Okay. okay. And I want to take up. Are we on time? Oh, we're okay. Okay. Um, I thought we'd been way over, but we're not. Oh, no, you're we good. good. <laughs> we good. Okay. So, um, oh, real really quick. Good. So, oh, goodness. Sorry for the burps, you guys. Uh, I'm pregnant. So, um, <clears throat> for... For children six years old and younger, signs and symptoms can also include, so this is in addition to this other list, Mm -hmm. um, it can also include reenacting the traumatic event, which is fucking terrifying to behold, just Mm -hmm. so everyone's aware, Um, (laughs) or or reenacting aspects of the traumatic event through play. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, they saw someone die and then they go to playhouse with their friends and they're like, this is how... And they reenact, like, the stabbing that they witnessed or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, not, like, with real knives or anything. But you know what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, now, let's, now I'm going to stab you. And they take the play knife. And it's like, no, nah, it's not great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because that's how children work through things. They've seen a lot of my friends who have kids who are posting, mm-hmm. like, secret videos. They're, like, kind of spy-shotting their kids. Yeah. Um, and their kids are working through the quarantine right now in the way that they're playing they're yeah. they're like you've got a friend who's got three girls and the two oldest of course the youngest is a literal infant right now but the mm-hmm. two oldest in all of their playtime together they're like oh we're at the school but everybody stay away from each other and like you know make sure you wash your hands and like they're just they're going through stuff and one of them made up a song about the coronavirus I and mean, it's <laughs> just that's how kids deal with trauma yeah and so it's and it's important to let them do that because that's how they get through things but if it's something that's really really bad like this <laughs> like again stabbing and hurting things and or something god forbid that's sexual um definitely that's one to take seriously yeah and of course parents you know I don't need to tell you. You know what's normal for your kid and what's not. Yeah. Just look for those red flags. Um, And then, of course, uh, frightening dreams uh, that may or may not include aspects of the traumatic event. So night terrors. Mm -hmm. But night terrors can also just come from being a human and being a child. So it's just one of those things to take seriously. I've always had really bad nightmares, but they um, 
they started getting worse and like I started having them right. all night and they were keeping me up to the point where like I couldn't function like I wasn't getting any sleep um mm-hmm. which is when I sought help but like right yeah yeah I used to have really bad nightmares but it was purely just because I had a really active imagination mm-hmm. <laughs> as a child so and Anything I watched on TV would manifest itself in my my dreams at night. So my mom had to be really careful about monitoring what I watched. Yeah. Um. Or the stupid fucking campfire stories about like Barbies that came back to life and <laughs> murdered their murdered people and you know just mm-hmm. anything. <laughs> Which I still love scary stories, but and I loved scary stories. That's why I wanted. You know what I mean? That's why mm-hmm. I wanted to listen. But then I oh my god, I could not sleep. I slept with an army of stuffed animals around me. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've only recently been able to start watching scary movies again because they, they aren't triggering mm-hmm. as many nightmares as they used to. That's um, good. Yeah, so that's been a fun little thing because I, I always have really liked, like, I've always really enjoyed scary movies and, like, my mom and I always watch a scary movie on Christmas and Thanksgiving just because mm-hmm. that's our thing like so it's been yeah. nice to be able to do that again all right so intensity of symptoms so of course ptsd symptoms can vary in intensity over time so you may have more ptsd symptoms when you're stressed in general mm-hmm. um see so that's why you're getting triggered right now because everybody's stressed in general right now and it's making all of our weird shit come out right now it's mm-hmm. really fun um great <laughs> or or when you come across, like, my dad is obsessively going to the grocery store. <laughs> I feel that. He does not need to be. like, documenting <laughs> all of the deaths. He's, like, just making lists. Oh, my God. there's an d- updated total on the death toll, he like, make, he, like, makes another entry in his little journal book. And I was like, mm, that's a little creepy, Daddy. <laughs> like, Daddy, you okay? are you going to be okay? <laughs> um, Dad... <laughs> Uh, yeah, mom was like, I can't get him to stop going to the grocery store. He will not stay in the house. <laughs> I, yeah, that doesn't surprise me, knowing your dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you may have more PTSD, I already read that. Um, or when you come across, remind, or you could have more PTSD symptoms when you come across reminders of what you went through. Mm-hmm. So, for example course this is easy because it's combat so um for example you may hear a car backfire and relive combat experiences Mm -hmm. or you may see a report on the news about a sexual assault and feel overcome by memories of your own assault yeah so it's not just people who are in the army just so everyone knows and it's not someone who's been stung by a bee (laughs) um unless of course you then went into anaphylactic shock and almost died yeah like they're like (laughs) that's different but i mean like the other day when i got stung by a wasp it was hiding underneath the collar of my jacket and i went to i took my jacket off and grabbed it by the collar to put it on the hook and i felt a prick and i was like oh there must be like a needle in there somewhere or something and it just got worse and worse and worse and then I pulled my hand out and I was like, what the fuck? I like, I didn't see anything. And then this red wasp flew out of my jacket Ugh. and I had an absolute panic attack because I thought I was going to have to go to the hospital. And of course it's quarantine time. I don't want to go to the hospital. <laughs> I don't want to go get exposed to yeah. all the shit at the hospital. I flipped out. And then for like a week afterwards, 
I like got scared to hang my jacket up. <laughs> I was like, okay, Carrie, get your shit together. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, that's not PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's just being a person with an anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> who doesn't like pain. <laughs> and so, um, of course, when to see your doctor, if you're having disturbing thoughts, feelings about a traumatic and feelings about a traumatic event for more than a month, if they're severe, or if you feel you're having trouble getting your life back under control, talk to your doctor or a mental health professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, more so the mental health professional, I would nudge you. Yeah. Um, you don't want to just talk to your doctor. You don't just want drugs. You have to have, you have to have, actually they might, more than likely you talk to your doctor about this. They'll probably refer you to a mental health professional if they're a good doctor. Mine told um, me I was making If they just start throwing pills at you. Yeah. I was going to say if they just start throwing pills at you or tell you you're making it up, go to another doctor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had treatment to... as soon as, sorry, so, let me just finish this sentence okay. real fast. Getting, tr- getting treatment as soon as possible can help prevent PTSD symptoms from getting worse. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I had to go, for a long time, I had to go to a therapist and a psychiatrist, like, either Mm -hmm. every other week or every week, just to make sure the meds were still working, and, like, Mm -hmm. also, like, talk about things, and, like, get officially diagnosed with things that needed diagnoses so we could actually treat them. Mm -hmm. That's one of the most important things, is getting diagnosed. Yes. So that, like... You're like, okay, this is real. It's happening. How do I move on? And, like, how do I treat Mm -hmm. this? You know, so you're not just, like, going crazy trying to figure out, like, how to treat all the different symptoms. Um, Right. But, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah. That's all I had to add. Good times. All right. Let's jump over to this article that I found. Okay. Um, So this was from Everyday Health. Mm-hmm. everydayhealth.com um it was updated in 2018 um it was written by julie revelant okay. and then it was medically reviewed by katherine keegan who's a an md okay um but it's an article called understanding the stigma around ptsd and how to overcome barriers to care so like you said you went to your doctor and they you were accused of making it up mm-hmm it's the same kind of thing. My, when Josh sought help for his ADHD, he tried to make an appointment with the doctor and was accused of just wanting to get drugs. Yeah. So, and then that's when I stepped in and I was like, I'm making you an appointment with my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to drive to Louisville. I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you need help. Okay. Um, in 2010, hang on. Oh, shit, I'm out of water. Oh, well. Okay. Mm-hmm. In 2010, 58-year-old Alexis Rose of St. Paul, Minnesota, mm-hmm. was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder after enduring a series of traumatic events, including abuse and neglect, the specifics of which she chose not to share. Quote, My trauma was pretty significant, Rose explains. I went through a span of about 20 years, followed by an additional 17 years of threats to stay silent. Unquote. Mm-hmm. Rose, the author of Untangled, A Story of Resilience, Courage, and Triumph, says that she... Ooh, that might be a good book for us to add to our list. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got that OCD book. I'm really excited about oh. it. Yay! Let me know how it is. Okay. Um, So, Rose, the author of... Un- Again, the, the title of her book is Untangled, A Story of Resilience, Courage, and Triumph. And uh, her name, it's by Alexis Rose. Um, 
says that once she started to tell friends and family and people at speaking engagements about PTSD, Mm -hmm. she started to face stigma. Quote, I'm pretty articulate and I look okay. So those two things already set me up for a lot of stigma, she says. Mm -hmm. People would often tell her, quote, you don't look sick. When are you going to get over it? Or can't you just forgive so you can get better? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, um, it feels like you're coming from a place where you always have to explain, Rose says. Mm-hmm. Um, at first, it really made me sad, and it made me feel like, well, I'm faking it, and what's wrong with me, and why can't I just get over it? The stigma also caused Rose to lose a lot of friends who couldn't accept that she wasn't the happy, smiling woman that they had always known. People just wanted me to be okay, she says. Perhaps most shocking of all was when a doctor Rose saw for a checkup made a disparaging comment upon learning she had PTSD. This shit pisses me off so much. (laughs) As Rose recalls, quote, she looked at me square in the face and said, you have PTSD? Why can't you just get over that? Isn't that great coming from a medical professional? That's so unprofessional. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, it's probably also because that that phrase gets watered down so much because people are like, well, I have PTSD. I tripped one time or you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not <laughs> that's not true, you know? And so it but the thing is that you have to we just all need to take it seriously. If we all just take it seriously, the problem gets solved. Mm hmm. <laughs> right there. <laughs> um, so what is stigma as it relates to PTSD and what are the types? So according to a report by the Carter Center, stigma as it relates to mental health is defined as, quote, a cluster of negative attitudes and beliefs that motivate the general public to fear, reject, avoid, and discriminate against people with mental illnesses, unquote. Um, Stigma around any issue typically surfaces as a result of public fear and a feeling of being out of control, says Ariel Swartz, Ph.D., a clinical psychologist in Boulder, Colorado, and author of the Complex PTSD Workbook. Interesting. Hmm. Lots of resources in here. Oh, Um, yeah. The stigma around mental illness and PTSD in particular is strong. Stereotypes that predict that depict people with PTSD as dangerous, unpredictable, incompetent, or to blame for their illness can promote stigma. People with PTSD may fear lim- may fear embarrassment or shame too, mm-hmm. and if they seek help, they may fear they'll be hospitalized. I faced that even just with panic disorder. I mean, just people in general with mental disorder with mental illnesses. I feel like a lot of us feel like will be hospitalized if we come forward and we don't like that's the scariest thing is that you'll be trapped in a room that's how i felt confirm that you're crazy yeah Yeah. it'll confirm that you're crazy that's exactly how i felt and that's why i didn't really tell any of my therapists anything until i finally met someone that was kind of like closer to my age and Mm -hmm. i felt comfortable enough to share things with her and so like that's why that moment was so scary for me i was like okay this is it this is gonna be where they make me this is it go somewhere this is when the white coats come in yeah and then they handcuff me to a bed because mm-hmm. Suicide Watch is basically that. Yep. They just handcuff you to a bed, to a bed and leave you in a room, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, um, so they can face stigma from family members, friends, and their community, as well as in the workplace. And that stigma can take many different forms. So there are four types of stigma. 
Public stigma is the general public endorses stereotypes and discriminates against the person with a mental illness. Mm -hmm. Not great. Um, There's self-stigma, which I feel like we are guilty of. (laughs) Uh, The person, the person with the mental, just like everything that says self in front of it. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we do that. I feel like you're using the wrong tone. The person with, so this is when a person with the mental illness internalizes the beliefs of others. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you sit there and you say, well, and you write out, you play it out in your head. You're like, well, if I tell my friend that, she's just going to think I'm crazy. Yeah. So I'm not going to tell her. And then a wall builds up between you and your friends, and that's not cool. Yeah. Um, Let your friends be there for you. Give people a chance. It's so hard. Um. <laughs> Label avoidance. If the person with a mental illness perceives social stigma, they will avoid being labeled by not seeking treatment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Been there. <laughs> Structural stigma. This includes the social and institutional policies and practices that can affect healthcare coverage and legal matters, for example. So that's not great. So that's where, like, I think more and more now, because there's been so much awareness, especially through podcasts and the just... Uh, things being portrayed more accurately on TV and things like that lately that it's made people more aware. And it's, I think that more healthcare is, is covering um, mental illness. Now, if we could get mm-hmm. them to cover chiropractors too, <laughs> that would be amazing. My last one actually um, did. I don't know if my new one does. I haven't been back to my what, chiropractor yet. Yeah. Yeah. Ours covers like 20 visits or something like that, but at the beginning, you're like, I'm going to go 20 times like this month because I'm in so much pain, I'm dying. Yeah. So <laughs> that didn't work for us. But uh, yeah. Um, so the possible consequences of stigma. So, so let's talk about the consequences of the stigma surrounding this disorder. So um, mm-hmm. when stigma occurs, it can lead to discrimination or exclusion, which we know, mm-hmm. uh, which could affect a person's educational or job opportunities. Not great. Um Stigma can also prevent individuals from seeking out help. Uh, people who suffer from self, self-stigma self may have low self-esteem and believe they're not capable of working, living independently, or being healthy. So there's that. Mm-hmm. I feel like you went through some of that, too. I did for um, a long time. Like, I even struggle with that now. Like, years, yeah. Just feeling like you're never going to be healthy and... Especially, I mean, we both have the self-esteem issue, mm-hmm. but... But, like, mine, um, there was a long period of time where, like, I um, I had to drop out of school for a while, and, mm-hmm. um, like, just that whole year, I was really just trying to deal with my mental illnesses and trying to, like, get over them, quote-unquote, before <laughs> I went back. Which doesn't exist. Yeah, it doesn't... <laughs> it, yeah, it doesn't exist. I didn't, no one told me that. (laughs) No, there is no getting over it, you guys. (laughs) I will always have panic disorder, depression, and ADHD. It is all a matter of learning tools to cope Mm -hmm. and live your life. Yeah. And it was, it was hard. And it's, it's frustrating. You, you just get so frustrated with yourself because it's like, you know, why can't I do the things other people my age are doing? Yeah. And it's very much that timeline that oh, we all put ourselves on, even mm-hmm. though there's no need for that. And um, 
I don't know. Like I'm going at the pace that I needed to go, but it's take it's yeah. taking me a very long time to convince myself of that and be like, okay, I I wasn't ready then. I'm ready now. You know, and right. sometimes you're just yeah. Sometimes you just can't do things, and that has to be okay. Yeah. And you know, I was lucky. I had people in my life that like didn't judge me for what I did, and you know, mm-hmm. they were just like, you have to take care of you. That has to be what happens right now, and that's okay. And you know, it's yep. yeah, it's just it's really hard to learn to take care of yourself. Especially as women, too. Like, yeah. we just don't take care of ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> we put everybody else's... Because we're just, by nature, women tend to be nurturers. Mm-hmm. And so we want to take care of everybody else. And we want to make sure... every We're so concerned with everyone else having a good day that we're not taking care of our... Sometimes you have to stop and sit down. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes you can't be so concerned with so everyone else's experience that you at your own expense. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. It's like, oh, well, I don't want my friends to be feel like they have to be weird around me, so I'm just going to keep it inside and I'll going to fake like I'm okay and then go have a panic attack in the bathroom. Like that's not yeah. okay. You've got you <laughs> because let I'm... people be there for you and know your limits and trust that your friends will and your family will be supportive, you know? Mhm. There's so the, much peace to be found in that. The ones that mind don't matter and the ones that matter don't mind. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, when people, what was that quote that I sent you the other day? Lord, give me, give me coffee to accept the things I cannot change. Or, or to it was Lord, give me, the, give me coffee for this drink, or give me coffee. Let me find it. Because it was so good. It was. Where did it go? Oh, here it is. Give me coffee to change the things I can and tequila to th- to accept the things I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Which is us in a nutshell. I need it on it a shirt. It absolutely is. <laughs> yes, we definitely need those. Um, okay, so in fact, a study in psychology... Wait, hang on. Oh, so when people with PTSD face stigma from people in relationships, they may start to believe that they're weak, damaged, or not good enough. And as a result... They believe that others don't want to be around them, which mm-hmm. can lead to people drawing inward, keeping their pain to themselves, and isolating, which is bad. Bad, mm-hmm. bad, bad. Um, except for right now. Everyone needs to be isolating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just, in fa- just physically, though. Yeah. You can talk to people. Um, <laughs> in fact, a study in psychology, in psychiatry, psychiatri- I can't read. A study in psychiatric services found that people with serious mental illnesses who had a moderate to severe level of internalized stigma also suffered with a, with a lower self-esteem, reduced confidence in their ability to recover, and additional psychiatric symptoms. So, And when you don't have confidence that you can recover, it's really, really hard to see the light at the end of that tunnel and not feel hopeless, mm-hmm. which is really sad. So... Um, service members in the military who are affected by PTSD may specifically fear that their superiors and peers may view them as unfit for duty, which mm-hmm. is bad, and that they'll be discharged as a result. Or I'll even throw police officers in there because um, I have a friend who's a cop and he's had to see a therapist multiple times because, I mean, he shot people. Yeah. And he's seen a lot of dead bodies in person, a lot of brutal murder scenes, and it's 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 a lot. It's a lot yeah. for your brain. And... um. 
you know, I mean, he was like head of the, I think he was in charge of the SWAT team or I think he's headed a, a couple of SWAT teams before and stuff. And I mean, that, that, that intense kind of trauma is very, very hard to shake. I mean, he, it affects his sleep. He's punched his wife in his sleep. He's woken up and run out the door mm-hmm. <laughs> yelling about werewolves coming. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is so much. We, we gotta, gotta go. go. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> There's a jackal in the room. Um, uh, there's no jackal, and you have to see a doctor. <laughs> oh Lord! Oh God! Bless Mike Birbiglia. Um, Chloe. Oh God. Her name is Jen, but Chloe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I call her Chloe. Her name is Jen. <laughs> Oh, I love him. I love him so much. Um, okay, so did you finally finish the new one? Yes. Oh, isn't it so amazing? It was. My favorite part was when all that stuffed animals dropped. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, I love when he reads his wife's poems, especially the one that he wrote, she wrote that was like, Today your father did the dishes and it made me want to fuck him. <laughs> I was like, yes, queen. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> oh. <coughs> I never thought it would be sexy to see a man take out the trash. Wait till you're married. <laughs> Ooh, honey, you took out the trash without being asked. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go to the bedroom right now. Pants off. <laughs> oh my goodness um <laughs> who is this stud that just walked in <laughs> oh man um okay so in in the military there's also a stigma that ptsd means you're weak or can't be trusted to protect others which is just bullshit mm-hmm. um in fact, I would think it would be the opposite to where you would be more cautious. Yeah. And therefore more able to protect your, your platoon. So uh, yeah. they can... <sighs> Goodness. Um, so stigma can prevent military service members from seeking treatment because of all this. Um, mm-hmm. A meta-analysis in the Journal of Epidemiological Reviews found that two of the most common concerns military personnel had about seeking help were that their unit leadership might treat them differently and that they might be seen as weak. But mm-hmm. stigma doesn't prevent everyone from seeking help. Some studies in the meta-analysis found that the military personnel with mental health problems still sought out treatment or reported being interested in doing so they were interested they didn't feel like they could or maybe they sought it out in secret is kind of where i glean that from and what's sad is that because there's this stigma in reality when you're vulnerable with people they respect you more yeah and there's more understanding and bonds form um whereas when you put up that wall People can tell that you're hiding and holding, hiding something and holding back, and that breeds more distrust, mm-hmm. which is not good in a military situation or a cop situation, like in a situ- these type of situations, these yeah. high, you know, absolutely high trauma not. situations that you're yeah. in together. Um, it's it's important to be honest and be supportive of each other, and that's what hopefully the mentality is starting to circle to to rotate towards. It's just going to be a long road. Um, so. 
uh, just two more little sections and then we'll be finished. I love this article. Yeah, so, it's um, really good. So what organizations and the government are doing to help reduce PTSD stigma? So, um, quote, there is this sense that people are starting to realize that you can do something about it and it's something that happened to you. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you could have prevented or were born with, says, oh man, I don't know how to say this name. Obianuju? Sure. Sure. I think it's o- I think it's Obianuju. Barry. <laughs> MD. A psychologist. She's a psych... She? I think... I don't know. A psychiatrist. Psych- psychiatry instructor at columbia university medical center in new york uh within within the last 10 years they have there have been attempts by the u.s department of defense the u.s department of veterans affairs uh military and american psychological associations to help reduce the stigma associated with ptsd and all types of mental illness and to encourage people to seek help so that is very promising Mm -hmm. um in 2012 the department of defense and the va found that they would uh, announce that they would invest a hundred million dollars into research to improve the diagnosis and treatment of ptsd and mild traumatic brain injury which is different um Mm -hmm. there has also i think we've already done that episode haven't we i think so have we yeah yeah we have (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i don't know where i am um uh, there there has also been a push by the military and some psychiatrists to change the name to post-traumatic stress injury mm-hmm. to get that word disorder out of there to just because that there's so much stigma around that word um, in an effort to reduce the stigma. Yeah. Um, that was something actually that my, my therapist said was we need to get rid of that extra D mm-hmm. at the end of ADHD. It's not a disorder. You're fine. We just you're just your brain works differently and we gotta you know we gotta figure out how to help you navigate through life the way everyone else navigates through life yeah um although social media can be a place where stigma can breed it can also be a powerful tool to end the stigma as can be as can be seen through the hashtag stop the stigma and hashtag silence the shame silence the shame movements Mm -hmm. some research suggests that people with ptsd who share their stories on social media may be practicing a form of self-care that's huge um quote there's a lot of ways people are being encouraged to be real and vulnerable schwartz says especially with like a lot of celebrities coming out and like coming forward and saying you know this is what i have take a picture here's my pills that i take like i go to therapy three times a week like you know what Mm -hmm. i'm saying like just people coming forward and being like my life is not you know (coughs) the highlight reel yeah here like and people especially like this part of why i love kristen bell so much she's always taking pictures of herself where she's like not made up she's just like posting normal pictures of herself all the time and talking about things like this she has depression she's very open about it you know her husband is very open about his ocd and his um his struggles um he was molested as a child so you know he's he he's very open they're both very open about all that kind of stuff and it's really helping people and they're not talking about it in a derogatory way or sitting and shaking in the corner like they're talking about like this is how i've coped and you're not alone and you're not a freak and <laughs> these are the symptoms i've experienced because of the trauma that i've experienced and this is how i deal with it and it's great you know it's it's mm-hmm. great to, for everyone to see that because a lot of times especially with ptsd people are not shown recovering yeah 
you know what i'm saying like if it's in a movie or something it's the dude that can't he he's just like shaking in the corner and then can't be in the military anymore and like that's the end of it mm-hmm. you know it's 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 never a journey of like okay let, let's get back on the horse and let's see what we can do to cope you yeah know? that's not really shown so um and then so last little bit is uh how people with ptsd can overcome barriers to care huge so um Quote, PTSD is really a disorder of failed recovery, and the reason that it occurs is because of a lack of support, Schwartz says. Um, With the understanding that with sufficient support, most people are resilient, most people can work through the effects of post-traumatic stress, and seeking support is not something to be shameful for. It's something that all humans need. Yep. Everyone needs therapy. (laughs) Everyone all the time everyone's got a screw loose like mm-hmm. let's be real <laughs> we've all got our shit we are all Experts somewhere agree. on a spectrum <laughs> yes <laughs> it's a rainbow of a spectrum <laughs> um Experts agree that increased awareness about PTSD is needed, but therapists who try to push a diagnosis or medication can sometimes be a barrier to getting the right treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, quote, sometimes it can be better found in peer support type or organizations or peer counseling organizations that have less of that medical model, Schwartz says. Like what you just said. Mm-hmm. You were with someone that you felt was more of a peer. It was like a peer counseling yeah. thing. So you felt comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Fortunately for Rose, the stigma she faced after her diagnosis did not prevent her from seeking treatment. You go, girl. (laughs) In fact, her husband and two children educated themselves about PTSD and sought out their own help. Um, Quote, they always call this our new normal, she says. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Rose also found a way to channel her pain into something positive with her writing and public speaking. See? Mm hmm. I've been um, doing a lot I of that lately. I wanted to bring awareness. Yeah, I wanted to bring awareness to the forefront and help end the stigma of living with PTSD. She says, and that's it. That's awesome. Good job. Yeah, I really liked that. I thought it was really thorough, and yeah, it gave us a solution at the end, which I like. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, are you ready for a break? Yes. <laughs> I have to pee so bad I can't think. So we will be back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, and we're back. Had to Hello. go to the Wiz Palace for a second. <laughs> yes. Empty bladders. Oh. Which I'm means ready to go. Yeah, which means I cannot drink the rest of my wine because it will go straight through me and I have a story. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I've got a story for us today. Okay. Because I needed to remove this from myself a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) um, Makes sense. So I wanted to talk about veterans. So I'm really glad that you brought them up. And Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to talk about them a little bit because they're my call to action. But. Oh, nice. Let's get through this. So, Courtney Lockhart, who um, was 25 at the time of his conviction, he's now 35, uh, was convicted in November 2010 for the kidnapping and murder of Auburn University freshman Lauren Burke in 2008. He was sentenced to death. 
As of April 7th, 2020, his plea to get off death row has been denied. Courtney Lock- Oh my god. Yeah. There's a lot to this. There's a lot, lot to it. Courtney Lockhart viciously and senselessly struck down an innocent young woman. Even as he was terrorizing Lauren Burke, she responded with kindness, which was met with brutality. Attorney General Steve Marshall said, We later learned that several other women came close to the same fate at his hands in the days before and after he killed Miss Burke. So, Mm. we're going to take it back to March 4th, 2008. Um, 2008 was a time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh lots of good music yeah, that was a that was a place yeah that was a time <laughs> <laughs> it it was, it was sophomore in college i was not in high school in yet. the throes of my panic disorder <laughs> <laughs> oh um i don't I don't know how old I was then. I mean, I guess I was, I was in middle school. No, oh, great. Yeah. yeah further was... let everyone know that you're <laughs> a child. That you're 12. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am a child. <laughs> I'm very, very old. <laughs> you're really not though. It's really, really not, not that. <laughs> it's really not that big a difference. It's no. just when you talk about school yeah (laughs) um but anyway i digress march 4th 2008 burke was found by a young auburn couple traveling on alabama highway 147 at about 9 p.m on march 4th 2008 according to previous reports she was naked except for a pair of socks Burke was shot in the left shoulder, the bullet passing through both of her lungs and exiting through her upper right arm. And she was still alive at the time that she was found. Um, Oh, my God. But died shortly after. Um, Oh, no. Yeah. And I will just say, um, real quick, I'm taking a lot of my information from NBCNews.com and OANow.com. So just wanted to give them a quick shout out. Because uh, they helped a whole lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> she left her boyfriend's Auburn University dorm earlier that night to go to the campus library to study with a friend. Burke was supposed to meet her boyfriend there at 8.30 p.m. While walking to her vehicle, Lockhart accosted her, pointed a gun at her, and ordered her into the car. He then forced her to undress so she wouldn't do anything or make any crazy moves, Lockhart said in a previous report. He then drove for about 30 minutes. Burke listened to him talk about how bad he felt his life was, and she offered to help him find a job. After the shooting, Lockhart bought gas with Burke's debit card. He returned Burke's car to the university parking lot, where he doused it with gas, set it on fire, and left in his own vehicle. He left with her iPod, $46, her credit card, and his gun. He left her clothes, the remaining cash, and her digital camera to burn. Did he assault her? Um, I don't think he did. I he think just he made just made her strip naked and then got in her car and took her shit and then shot her. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Um, he then went on to use. That's so weird. Why would he make her get naked? We're getting to it. Uh. 
He then went on to use her debit card in Georgia to purchase more fuel and buy other things. Lockhart later threw the debit card out the window on his return to Alabama. And, um... (laughs) That makes it untraceable. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. So, I'm gonna stop right here and say that's all the jury knew when they sentenced him. Okay. That is all that they knew. They didn't know that he had accosted any other people they only knew what pertained to that specific case to that okay okay but right after that he had a bit of a crime spree and we're gonna get into that now along oh, man along the way lockhart robbed a woman at gunpoint on march 5th 2008 in a lagrange county or in a lagrange georgia nursing home parking lot he then robbed a woman who was with her young son at a sam's club parking lot on march 6th um, in Columbus, Georgia. The next day, in a Walmart parking lot in Noonan, Georgia, the point I'm getting from this is to never go to Walmart or Sam's Club. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, the next day, in a Walmart parking lot in Noon- Noonan, Georgia, Lockhart is believed to have hit a 72-year-old woman in the head and forced her into her car, but abandoned her car and fled the area in his vehicle. Later See, on, but like this is what makes it so terrifying because we all fucking go to Walmart, mm-hmm. like w- you know, and like what is it that's gonna make you stay? What is it that's gonna identify you as the next target? Like this is the cloud of fear that all women live under. Yeah, every single fucking day, it can happen to you anywhere. That's a completely public place. Mm-hmm. That should be safe. Yeah. You know? And it's not. <clears throat> it's really They're usually not. very well lit, too. And mm-hmm. it's not. It's you disappear into this crowd and then people don't notice. And oh, my God. And we have this whole thing where we don't want to get involved in anyone's weird fight or something, you know. And mm-hmm. it's just. Oh, it's so scary. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, That's why I- I'm in love with the new pickup system they have. I can sit in my car with the doors <laughs> locked and not move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And now they even sign for it for you. You don't even have to talk to them hardly. You say what they ask what your name is. If you saw like what wasn't in stock, you say yes. And then they're like, great. And then they sign it. (laughs) Yep. It's great. It's wonderful. It's fan-fucking-tastic. We did that this weekend and we were both like, well, that was so easy. We're doing this always. (laughs) Especially like after the baby comes. I was like, this is how I'm grocery shopping. Oh, yeah. Then I don't have to worry about, oh, what if, she, what if, what if it wakes up, like, uh, he, she, whichever it ends up being, like, what mm-hmm. if, what if they wake up while I'm shopping and then start screaming and then everyone's looking at me, but I have a thousand other things I still need to get. Like, I, that <laughs> stresses me out to no end. So, oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> just like, oh, well, this is the perfect solution. <laughs> I can take the dog. <laughs> if Hamlet's Hammy real can be upset. my co-pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited to see him interact with the baby. Oh, he's going to be so cute. He's so cute with babies. <laughs> I can't wait. He's so politely curious. I love him. Oh. <laughs> it's adorable. Uh, so, we're not done with the crime spree just yet. Uh, later I on know, March. That's why I had to take a de- <laughs> had to take a detour. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Later, on March 7th, 2008, um, he sped through a construction zone in Alabama and was pulled over by Phoenix City Police. 
The officer wrote Lockhart two tickets, but dispatch told the officers that investigators wanted to speak to Lockhart. Lockhart then sped away within the transaction. Uh, four police officers followed him. The chase later ended in a oh, foot pursuit. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> that automatically means that you know you're guilty. <laughs> like, Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> Lockhart was taken into custody in a wooded area. Officers recovered Burke's stolen iPhone, spent shell casing, Gatorade bottles, and green t-shirt with flecks of blood in Lockhart's car. Investigators, oh, no. Mm-hmm, investigators also discovered... I mean, that's hard evidence, bro. Like... Yeah. That's... Oh, yeah. Uh, They also discovered that Lockhart had robbed at least two women at gunpoint in Smith Station in Phoenix City in the days prior to the murder of Burke. Oh, no. So now we have all of this. But it's just, you murdered someone for $46. Yeah. Uh, (sighs) Yep. And I, there was another source. I, I don't know why I didn't grab it. Um, but... I think it was because it was a little repetitive, but it did add that he had a daughter. Um, mm-hmm. He had an ex-girlfriend. Uh, he was living in his car. He was really nasty. Like, um, oh no, he just so was this really. Is, I'm guessing this is PTSD. This is the furthest down this rabbit hole. Yes, the furthest you can get. So, the reason why I decided to talk about this, um, and I wanted to give you all that information first, is because Mm -hmm. people like to look at the information just the way it is, and they don't account for what else is going on. Right. So, this other article that got me started on this rabbit hole is 300 veterans, some with PTSD, are on death row. This was posted in 2015 by Tracy Connor. So it's why they need to feel safe mm -hmm. to get help before things spin out of control. Yeah. Um, He. Okay, so this article, um, I'll just go ahead and read it and just add a little bit as I go. Um, During Courtney Lockhart's capital murder trial, the jury heard testimony that he had returned from a bloody 16-month deployment to Ramadi, Iraq, a changed man. His sweet nature was replaced by anger and paranoia, his ex-fiance said. He hid in the closet at night, started living out of his car, drank too much, and once put a gun to his own head. So, like, before he was deployed, like, he was this bright, sweet person. Uh, He was always making his mom laugh and, like... He was just always so happy, and then he came back, and it was like a switch clicked. Right. Um, and he, like, had started to visit his daughter less and less. Uh, again, started living in his car and was just kind of gross, you know? Just, yeah. again, like you said, as, as far down people this... who live in their car tend to be pretty gross. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to shower in a car. Yeah. You can only wipe your pits with baby wipes so many times before it's an issue. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The defense argued that Lockhart, who was dishonorably discharged, was suffering from untreated PTSD and wasn't in his right mind when he abducted, robbed, and fatally shot college student Lauren Burke in 2008. Oh, my goodness. Um, The Alabama jury, surprisingly, rejected the prosecution's call for the death penalty and sentenced him to life. 
But, in a rare move, a judge overrode the panel's decision and put him on death row. Oh, my goodness. The case of Lockhart, whose brigade had a dozen other men charged with murder or attempted murder after coming home from Iraq, is highlighted in a they new They were report. all in the same, like, group? Uh-huh. Like, on the same team? Yep. <gasps> oh, no! There had been a bomb that had gone off on his brigade. Um, <gasps> and a lot of them died. The person how did no one catch this yep the um oh no one of the leaders that um courtney looked up to like a father he died like so many people died and like all these men that are coming back are changed you know that's terrible yeah so um oh that makes me so mad Oh, yeah. Because that there were so many of them. They were all on the same team, and they were all acting crazy. Like, why was no one... Uh, why? <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's why I wanted to talk about it. Why um, was that ignored? That can't be ignored. No, it can't. Like, now, I know at least at the... Um, uh, like, with the cops, at least. At least, the, you know, the Bowling Green PD. Um, mm-hmm. If... If you're in any kind of situation like that, if you've shot someone or any or killed someone or witnessed things like this, mm-hmm. you are mandated to go to the you have to go to a therapist. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you have to be cleared. That's good. Because and you can't fake it. Yeah. <laughs> because no. it's people's lives in your hands. They can't risk you killing someone else. And it not being a justified, you know what I mean? And it Mm -hmm. not being in an actual, they can't risk you panicking. Yeah. When you have a gun in your hand. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot lately about the death penalty, like you and I just Mm -hmm. in passing conversation. And I think we, I think it came up in last week's episode. I'm not sure. It might have. We we go so off the rails sometimes. We, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know what life is. What's reality? I don't either. I am swimming <laughs> in a sea of paradise lost. And boy, am I lost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> um, it really just weighs on you, man. Josh made a pizza and it smells so good. Oh, yum. Um, I'm almost done. And then we can get some food in us. Um, I wasn't trying to. So. I was not trying to for you along at all. No, it's okay. I understand. Um, The case of Lockhart is highlighted in a new report by the Death Penalty Information Center, a group that opposes capital punishment. And keep in mind, like I said earlier, he had actually appealed to get off death row and they overrode that so he is still on death row as of april 7th of this year because all anyone is seeing is the heinous crime that he's committed but there's so much more evidence that shows that this is a team situation yeah as far as mental health goes and this is a different this isn't someone who's just a cold-blooded killer yeah this is someone who's suffering that's different. Exactly. Oh, and, that's so crazy. And he has got to be severely mentally ill. I, I he can't be oh, in his yeah. right mind. He cannot be. Absolutely. Um. So no, there's no way. 
you don't make someone strip naked for no reason and get in the car and then yeah. you kill them for $46. Yeah, no. What? There's no logic to any of that. None. Th- there is none. A- and he needs help is what he needs. Oh, that's so sad. He needed that's help so really early before any of and this the happened. Problem, the problem is that a lot of mental illness, the people who are criminally insane or, you know, are you know, to this point, you're in prison and they sh- they ship you off to psych and you're just, like, in a room getting drugged and sedated all day. Yeah. There's nothing that's helping. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there's no help to be had. Exactly. Just being drugged in a room is not helping the mentally ill. No. Um, at a time in which the death penalty is being imposed less and less, it is disturbing that so many veterans who were mentally and emotionally scarred while serving their country are now facing execution, said Robert Dunham, oh, the center's so executive director. Mm-hmm. About 300 veterans are on death row nationwide, and about 10% of all those condemned to die, the group estimates. So, like, with mm. death row, you can sit on it until you die, or until they decide to kill you. It's real it's really weird. Ugh. Um cuz like you you don't always get executed. Sometimes you die before they can execute you. Oh yeah, you they know? Sit, they make you sit there forever. Yeah, and you never know. It's crazy. Well, and they have to get they there's so many steps to it and mm-hmm. it's just oh, it's so expensive to yeah. put, to kill someone and it puts someone else through another trauma. Mhm. And there, people have to witness it, like, legally, and it's just, ugh, it's just not good. Nope. Just stop it. <laughs> just stop it. Stop it. I spit out wine when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> it's unclear how many have been diagnosed with PTSD or have symptoms, but Dunham says that in too many cases, a veteran's mental scars are not examined closely enough by defense lawyers prosecutors, judges, juries, and governors who can commute death sentences. No. The first prisoner... I mean, ex- he did, he, I'm not... We're not saying he shouldn't be in prison. He no. absolutely should be in prison. He, absolutely. He murdered people, but also he shouldn't be put to death for something that's... I mean, yes, he should have taken responsibility. Like, Oh, he does. It's not your fault, but yeah. it's... Your, it is your responsibility, and he didn't take responsibility but this also was a different time, and mm-hmm. he didn't feel safe to. Yeah. And it's, there's just so much in the air. I don't think he does. I don't think anyone deserves to be put to death, but especially not this guy. Yeah. Uh, the first. Though I could understand how friends and family of his victims would feel differently. Yeah. I and I can definitely see both sides, but I can yes. also, I can also understand not having him on death row. Yeah, this is definitely a case that needs to be shared publicly and shown the consequences of not getting help mm-hmm. and also show the failing in our in our system. Yeah, because I'm sure he's not getting help in prison because they haven't no. they haven't diagnosed him. So they're not giving him no. any medication is the problem. Ugh. And he's not getting therapy. You know, he's not no learning and then to there's the other thing is like do you want help and do you want to be lucid because mm-hmm. then you're going to remember this horrible thing that you've done yeah it's just it's a it's a loop and mm-hmm. you don't want it to get so bad that you murder someone for 46 dollars in a parking lot that's exactly. terrible 
The first prisoner executed in 2015, Andrew Brannon, was a Vietnam vet on disability for PTSD and bipolar disorder when he fatally shot a deputy nine times during a speeding stop. Oh, no. Dash cam video showed... Nine times? Mm-hmm. That's too many times. Yeah. <laughs> Dash cam video showed Brannon dancing in the street and saying, shoot me, before he pulled a rifle from his car and fatally shot the 22-year-old cop. The US, oh, no! The U.S. Supreme Court declined to stop his lethal injection. Um, Kent oh, Scheidegger, legal director of the Pro-Capital Punishment Criminal I Justice... I mean, hang on, though. If that's not an insanity in a court... Like, I'm sorry. If that's not an insanity defense, I don't know what is. Yeah. Like, you don't... I mean, not condoning that he shot a 22-year-old cop. Not no. cool. He 100% deserves to be in jail. But, like, how is someone not being like, okay, this guy's clearly out of his gourd. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yep. Uh, um, Kent, this is a failing. Yeah. It's a huge failing. Um, Kent Scheidegger, legal director of the Pro-Capital Punishment Criminal Justice Legal Foundation, said that since PTSD does not normally cause sufferers to become violent, the condition may not have anything whatever to do with the crime. The problem with that is that it affects everybody differently. Mm -hmm. And it depends entirely on the kind of trauma that it was. If you have something that happened to you that was incredibly violent... It is very easy for you to become violent as well. Yes. Very easy. And again, people that have conditions like this are much more likely to be the victims and survivors. But it is Mm -hmm. also very easy for them to become violent if they do not get the kind of help that they need. Especially in combat trauma. Mm -hmm. We are failing. in combat trauma. We are failing our veterans, and that's not okay. And cops. Yeah. And our cops. And our cops. Um, if a crime is sufficient... They're in combat, too. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just because it's not, like, a literal war doesn't mean that they're not in combat. Yeah. If a crime is sufficiently heinous, a death sentence may be the just outcome, said that director guy. Mental issues may be weighed <laughs> in the balance, but they would have to be very severe before they outweighed, say, torture or serial killing. At Lockhart's trial, according to media accounts at the time, a prosecution expert testified that he was not mentally ill and knew what he was doing was wrong when he killed Burke. A defense expert said he had symptoms of PTSD, but not a diagnosed case. After the jury heard testimony from those close to Lockhart about the problems he experienced after his military service, the panel voted 12 to 0 to spare his life, but the judge overruled them, saying that they didn't know about the other robberies he had committed. What? Mm-hmm. How is that fair? It's not. It's not. That's terrible. Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor later wrote that jurors were influenced by mitigating circumstances relating to severe psychological problems Lockhart suffered as a result of his com- combat in Iraq. Um... Lockhart spent 16 months in Iraq. 64 of the soldiers in his brigade never made it home, including his best friend, she wrote. Oh, no. The soldiers who survived all exhibited signs of post-traumatic stress disorder and other psychological conditions. Twelve of them have been arrested for murder or attempted murder. See, that's... This is a good 
this is good journalism. Mm -hmm. This that's a pattern. That's a pattern. Yeah. That's okay. Let's round up the whole platoon, get everybody in a circle, and let's fucking talk about our shit. Yeah. What's going on, guys? Talk about what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. The Death Penalty Information Center said its report was meant as a wake-up call to spark conversation about imposing capital punishment on trauma survivors. The country owes its veterans a thorough examination of the use of death penalty in their cases, even when their offenses are especially grievous, the report said. Yes, because trauma makes you do crazy things. It does. It seriously does. Especially when your trauma is violent. Mm-hmm. They make them do terrible things over there. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, but if you go to... Um, How every single person who comes back from deployment isn't mandated to, like, a year of therapy... Is beyond me. Is beyond me. Yeah. Um... So, if you go, like, if you are someone who has been in any kind of combat, like, if you are a veteran or if you are a cop or if you have been in an especially dangerous situation as a firefighter, like, any of our nation's heroes, um, Mm -hmm. go to, you can go to ptsd.va.gov and, um, There are so many resources. There are PTSD treatment programs. There are care for women veterans, um, vet centers near you, and VA benefits and claims. Um, It's all very useful stuff, um, and it can Mm -hmm. be really helpful to anyone who is suffering from PTSD, even if you're not sure, like, even if you just need to talk to somebody about what you had to do or what you saw, it is extremely helpful to go and get help like yes and if you're too embarrassed to physically go somewhere there are plenty of online therapies that you can that you can go um that you can sign up for Mm -hmm. there's talk space there's better help there's all kinds of stuff like that now because you know the world has changed and nobody's got time for an appointment every week and telemedicine is becoming we all work for yeah and we are we all work for terrible terrible bosses so Mm -hmm. like (laughs) you know there's plenty of resources if you're too if you're too embarrassed to go physically to an office Mm -hmm. or just it's the world just everything's too much for you and you can't just that's another layer of anxiety that you can't handle you can get it on your phone and you can video chat with someone you can talk to them on the phone you can web chat you can text Mm -hmm. there's so many options right now for therapy Texting is and so much most easier of them for me. Accept, I think almost all of them accept insurance. Yeah. Or HSAs. So. So, yeah. yeah. That's my segment. That was my little call to action there Yay! at the end. But, yeah. Good job. Thank you. I thought I it was super fascinating. F- <laughs> it was good. Yeah, it was really, really good. That was mind-blowing, actually. <laughs> so, I once again forgot the cards. As I was setting up my laptop, I was like, I need to go get cards. And I didn't. So, I'll be right back. Okay.
Okay. All right. I'm excited. <laughs> All right. So this is our game called... This is our game called Drunks uh, by Drunk Stoners Do, but I can't say it right. Oh my god! And you're sober, and uh, you can't do it. I'm I know, kidding. But I I don't feel sober. It's okay, honey. All right. So this is, it's um if you had to buy Drunk Stoner Stupid, sorry. No, and okay. um, so I think it's Kay's turn to go first. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh. I do remember that. Oh boy. So, uh if you had to, would you have an evil identical twin or everyone you ever have sex with automatically switches teams? Oh. So, I'm going to say that that would actually work for us. Yeah. <laughs> it would. <laughs> Except in the guy department, I guess. But I'm gonna go with yours. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I don't want someone. I don't go in <laughs> bat shit behind you know, my back. <laughs> you know, uh, th- this that scenario came up on Jane the Virgin, and she just tattooed like not Petra across her forehead. Oh my god. <laughs> which i thought was really funny but what if your twin then gets that tattoo oh my god no no she tattooed her twin she made her put not petra across her forehead oh wow And i was just like petra's my favorite i love her (laughs) um (laughs) i don't know i'm gonna Uh, go with yours okay I mean, it's not real, so sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. There are toys. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for listening. What was that? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Uh, My cat has decided to join the party. She needs lots of snuggles. Kitty. um, I love her. Hi, kitty. Um, I wish she would meow on command. Um. (laughs) She's been cookie? very vocal lately, especially especially when she's hungry. Oh, um, baby girl. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we love you guys so much. We hope everybody's staying safe. And remember, you are not a monster. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Talk Crooked. Music is by Gisla Niebach. Check out our website, talkcricket.wixsite.com slash podcast for sources and visual aids, as well as resources to get involved. To keep up with our nonsense and stay up to date on all things Cricket, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook at Talk Cricket. To keep the shots coming, access ex- exclusive bonus content, get a free poster, and a shout out on air, head on over to our Patreon. All links can be found on our website. You can listen to us basically anywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you have interesting stories relating to our content, please send them to talkcrooked at gmail.com for a chance to be featured on the show. For business inquiries or sponsorships, please email us at carryandkbusiness at gmail.com. See you next time.